Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Maroon and Gold, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Ellsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron and I am prepared to eat something very stupid this weekend. Yes? Yeah, uh, I'll be at the Texas, the, the State Fair of Texas for the first that's, time in my life. That, that's, that's, that's not stupid, that's beautiful. Never change. Um, and one of the things I've got my eye on is pretty straightforward. It's just an empanada. Yeah, it's um, a great place to get one. But like, you know, I've not, I don't know if I've had funnel cake before. Really? Um, yeah. Or I, if I have, it's been a while. But it's, I know it's a, it's a breaded thing covered in sugar. So Chandler is going to like it if he tries it. But they've got a cheesecake. They've got fried Oreos. They've got fried basically everything you know how this works yeah you're from one of the two states that really cares about this that really goes all in yes so i'm looking forward to it and uh yeah it's a major major bucket list experience the football game the fair will be there also (laughs) but you know should should be a good weekend in in dallas yeah we'll see how the uh we'll see how the my experience at the St. Thomas and Davidson game compares. <laughs> I'm sure uh, I'll find something fried one way or another. Yeah, I um, I have to grub hub it, but it'll it'll get there. Yeah, I, I do want to go over since we did this for the um, uh, the Minnesota State Fair. We can talk about the uh, just real quick before we get into the actual meat of what we're supposed to be here for just the main stage headline acts at the state fair of texas how about i grade them how about you bring it up and i grade it just just that works just fine for me all right so i'm gonna go from the start which we've already passed since it goes back to september 30th trace adkins uh probably b minus Probably, probably, probably does well there, but you know, not an A-list country star by any means. Ashanti. C plus. Uh, one of my first ever celebrity crushes. Love Ashanti, but probably not a huge draw. Preservation Hall Jazz Band. A plus. A plus. <laughs> a plus because it's because it is because it is because a because they cook. They absolutely cook. And B because that seems like just very out of place at the at the Texas State Fair. Although they're from Louisiana, so it's not 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 far. No, that's not A. That's probably like a that's like an A, maybe A minus. I don't know. It's not an A. Like George Strait is probably an A plus. They're probably like an A minus. Well, I believe um, Brave Combo, a Denton-based polka band, is also at the State Fair this year. Okay. Um, so so multiple, you know the multiple and, stages maybe. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so uh, October 2nd, La Fiera de Ojinaga. That I that is a, that is a that is an incomplete. Uh, there's a gap in my knowledge. Chris Perez band. That is also a gap in my knowledge. Looks like a guy who's like 30, long hair, uh, wearing a Selena shirt and holding a Jackson semi Stratocatter. Stratocaster looking guitar. Okay. Craig Parker. Man, I don't know Craig Parker. I'm not up on this. Is that, is that like Red Dirt? That might be Red Dirt Country or something. Uh, his picture suggests he's a an Elvis impersonator. Oh, that maybe that's why. Jack Pierce. 
And I, man, I, I overestimated myself coming into this. Well, you knew the first few, which I I hadn't heard of the first few. So other than Trace Adkins, yeah. so you know uh, you, you've beaten me so far. Okay, what else we got? Bandoliers. Ah, uh, good, good band, good Texas uh, Americana band, I believe. B plus, get them on the right stage. That's a good, it's a good booking. Jamestown Revival. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'll do. That's a B. It's a B in my. That's a B for me. Bump it up if it's a free stage. They always have good openers too. You said David Ramirez opening for them here, which is awesome. Now, uh, for me, the easily is like the the best. I mean, I I don't know Preservation Hall and Jazz Band, but coming in, this to me is like the obvious. If Chandler was going to go to one of them, it would be this one. Lucinda Williams. Yes. Yes. A A A effing plus. <laughs> La Freak. I don't know La Freak. Say chic freak out. I don't know. Uh, it's four guys. I don't know how to describe their bit. One of them is dressed in kind of a David Lee Roth looking thing, but like with American flag vibes. Ooh. They've all got wigs on except one who has a soul patch and like a cowboy hat on it and then one is dressed like evil can evil i don't know what they're supposed it, to be the quick google search makes them look like disco which probably increases their stature in my mind because county fairs are pro or state fairs are probably better with disco but it's my opinion friday october 14th right now jason boland and the stragglers yeah, good band. B plus, good Americana. It's a good Texas band. Fits in the tantrums. Uh seen them more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> um I don't know that I didn't know that you had seen them ever. I've seen them at least once, maybe twice. Not a niche that I really not a niche that I really like, but you know, probably give it give it a give it a C plus. I guess I was initially I was assuming these were all on like big stages, like a Shanti on the right side stage. That'd be cool. Even Trace Adkins, even though I don't like the guy on the right side stage. Like I was thinking this is all like grandstand, you know, entertainment where it's like, you know what I mean? Where it's like it's supposed to draw in a lot of people and be a cool big concert experience. And it really, it seems like kind of a mix of a mix of tiers, which makes more sense, honestly, but interesting mix, interesting mix. Definitely. Uh, I would definitely check a lot of those out. Uh, you know, were I to, uh, were I to be into at the Texas County fair. So see Lucinda, if you have a chance, I, she's, she's great. I was just listening to her this morning. Well, I'll be on a plane by then. Um, but I can, like I said, this is the main stage at the fair and I don't know. And it is free. All of these shows are free. Um, we, we do have four more to get through. Um, one of which I know of, one of which I know what they're doing. Uh, the one I know of is uh, is Night Ranger. Oh, oh you got to have some of that. If you're going to you're going to have a state fair, you're, you're going to need some you're going to need some 80s. Yeah, that seems like the general rule of thumb at the Minnesota State Fair. Yeah. Um, room for REO Speedwagon. Uh, we don't we don't have to make room for REO Speedwagon. Uh, just to, to roll real quick through these last three. Girl Named Tom? Don't know him. Resurrection, a journey tribute? No. And La Mafia? 
don't know them. So we've got like what six or seven, maybe eight incompletes. Yeah, right. few few pretty good ones. I think Preservation Hall and Lucinda easily easily top the top the tater, if you will. Now, uh, lastly, your grade for the Gophers game against uh, Purdue this past weekend? Uh, C minus. It's a generous C minus. Well, what what uh, I mean, I have my many thoughts, um, but like, what? How would you sum all that up? How what? Why shouldn't you give it say C plus? Or uh, you know, you said you're being generous with your grading well, here. Why not an F? I just it's just it's just the, the 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 opportunity was so there, you know, it was so there to to win. And it was such it was just such an important game. I mean, that's a lot of it. I mean, when I really think about the gameplay, I probably think C C C plus. I mean, because the defense, you know, yeah, the the early drive and you had the drive at the end that was really just a couple of plays and a one ma- one major breakdown. I mean, the defense was mostly mostly help. You only gave up 20 points, so I don't. You can't you can't sit there and say this was an F minus defensive performance. You know what I mean? It was okay. You know, in the offense, the offense just sputtered too much. Too many just weird inopportune turnovers and and missed plays and and I mean. Yeah, I just I can't I can't rightfully give it a give a loss like that in the B's. Um and it just it just stings. It just it just stings a lot and that's kind of why why I graded so low is is because the the moment was so big. You know, and you really you really should have won this game. That's how I felt in the moment is how I still feel. Like this was by um Bill Connolly's post-game win expectancy. 54% to Purdue. Um, and I think if you don't have some of the weirdness in the red zone that you had, if you follow through on the interceptions that were in your hands that you dropped, if you tackle better on that first drive, if even if Matthew Trickett hits that chip shot field goal, yeah. like there's so many of these small things that just – they add up and you don't need to talk yourself into if X and Y and Z happens, the Gophers win this game because it's some very like easy to spot pivotal things of Michael Brand Stevens. You got to catch that. It looked behind him live, but that was right through his hands that that's on him. Yeah. Um, And it says an interception and a touchback, you get turned away. Uh, on the best scoring opportunity you have all day, except for the one time where you actually scored. This isn't like one of those those blowouts that got a little weird and, um, you know, uh, it, you may cling to something because you're a fan and, and you want to believe that this game was actually within reach. But this one actually was, is the thing. Your defense played really, really well. You only held a team that throws the ball a ton that had its starting quarterback uh, that had Charlie Jones for almost the entire game, and he barely did anything. Yeah. But you hold them to just under five yards per pass attempt. Yep. Like, that's great. That's exactly what you want to do. You make your tackles, you break up passes, you capitalize on the mistakes, even if you didn't capitalize on as many of them as you probably should. Um, and, yeah, they broke off two big plays all day, the big Jones uh, fade that got him, like, 30 yards or whatever, and then the 
huge Maccabee run. But those are the only two real hemorrhages for the yeah. whole day. Purdue, Purdue's a good team. I mean, Purdue, Purdue's a good enough team. They're gonna they're gonna get some of those. If there was anything most disconcerting to me about this game, it was the way that Minnesota ran the ball, which is to say quite poorly. Only averaged 1.9 yards per carry. Success rate under 30%. Um, didn't have any like big runs, which has not really been their thing. But like, you know, you what you expect for them is they're going to avoid negative plays. They're going to be efficient. That's what their thing has been built on, uh, both in past seasons and this one. And you still have a big offensive line. You still have a pretty experienced offensive line outside of Ursary. I mean, Ursary is your least experienced player along the offensive line. And He's I still playing pretty well for the most part. He has been playing pretty well, yeah. And you just, in the moments where you faced a good box count, they weren't getting it done. And then the moments where you weren't getting a good box count, like, you know, the degree to which they were okay, like they were outnumbered. Um, like nothing was really working. And, you know, you can say, well, if Mo Ibrahim was playing, maybe that makes things a little easier. But I mean, they ran for just, um, they ran for 57 yards. Like if Mo Ibrahim is in the game, maybe they get to 80, <laughs> but that's not, you know, Again, maybe maybe in a game like this that's about 50-50, that's enough to turn it, but I don't think so, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And, you, I mean, you hope he's healthy because he is a difference maker, but you're going to have to play better up front. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to run the ball. You're going to have to block better, basically, you know, and you're going to have to call plays better. And you're going to have to – the whole the whole thing has to be better, even if Mo is in, I guess is all I'm trying to say. And like last year, they didn't have any games like this when Mo was out because again, he was out 12 games um, and they ran the ball not great all year, uh, but they at least avoided negative plays and kept the chains moving more or less. Uh, and I don't know that, that that was the most disconcerting part. Obviously there were the drops. There uh, was the fact that Morgan is still very much himself with all his you know, decent floor, but pretty limited ceiling. And then all the weird defensive and special team stuff and the the really unnecessary holding call uh, that Derek Captain picked up that killed that Quentin Redding return. Yeah. You know, other teams are going to want to make sure they can stop the, the run and Purdue showed that you can. So if your passing attack is going to not be as diversified as it was against Michigan State. If it's going to not be efficient because guys can't hold on to the ball, then that's going to cause some real problems for you offensively. Yeah, yeah, and those are plays. I mean, the the, the one thing you know with the drops and whatnot that's incurred not and it's not they're encouraging, but I'm the, the silver lining or whatever that the solace I'm taking is that. I mean, they've been making good catches all year. And so I want to tell myself this is just a fluky thing. This is an indicative of a, this. Hopefully this won't become a trend is what I'm saying. And hopefully you can make an argument. There is reason to believe that it won't be again just because of the past performances. This has been a reliable group this year and, and to an extent beyond. I mean, Daniel Jackson has just been playing great, you know, the last couple of weeks. And, you know, maybe they use him more and he really evolves into the feature receiver. Maybe we thought he might have a chance to be. But, Yeah. 
who knows? Who knows? It, it was a it was a tough, tough, tough outing for that group and the whole the whole offensive unit, I'd say. Yeah, uh, I mean, after that first drive out of halftime, did he pick up more than two sets of downs in any drive? Like, let, let, let's just run through the number of plays here in the, the second half by drive. Eight plays touchdown, six plays punt, four plays punt, three plays punt, five plays interception, and that's it. That's your second half. Pretty woeful. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just as a whole, you need to find ways to, to get your, your ball carriers into space, and you need your your receivers to do their job. Yeah, you need Muhammad Ibrahim back, evidently, but you also need your line to do their job. And I think Tanner Morgan might have been the least of the problems, but, like, there's no coming from behind in the fourth quarter, I think, with Tanner Morgan as your quarterback, unless you're playing a worse team than you're facing on Saturday. Yeah, no, absolutely. This does not leave the Gophers in a terrible spot, though. They're still 4-1 and one on the season in our bye week. Uh, it seemed like they were expecting Ibrahim, you know, uh, at, right after the game. Flex said that Mo was really, really close. And he had, in fact, dressed and warmed up. So I would expect that if he, they had a game this coming Saturday, then, then he would probably play and, you know, certainly next week. So there is time to kind of regroup. And Purdue has the tiebreaker over you at this point, which is reason for concern, because it probably means you can't finish worse than 10 and 2, honestly, to, to call yourself safe. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the solace here, though, is that Purdue, it is not invincible. <laughs> You yes. know, no one, no one in the Big Ten West. I mean, I know Purdue might, Purdue probably does have the upper hand right now, but none, none of these teams is is scaring me to the to the extent of I. If, if you take care of business from here on out, I mean, even if you finish ten and two, I think you still have a pretty good shot at it. It's going to be hard, you know, and I'm not even saying that's likely to happen. But if you do, I, st- I still feel pretty good about our chances, I guess. Yeah, and I, I'm saying I, I think if you win ten games, then you're in Indianapolis. Yeah. But if it's nine or fewer, that becomes a lot dicier because the schedules aren't that different in terms of difficulty. Uh, they so um, the remaining division games are the same on either side, the home and road differences, and then uh, Purdue's remaining cross division game is at Maryland and Minnesota's. It's <laughs> Yeah, they got uh, Penn State and Rutgers. Oh, and Purdue also has Indiana at the end, which is probably comparable to Rutgers, um, just maybe a little more intensity. So, um, you know, it, it's it's about 50-50. Uh, I, or it feels like they're fairly even. The computer's still like Minnesota a decent bit. Probably um, because FD- of the Maryland game. What was that? Probably because of the Maryland-Purdue-Maryland game. I don't know. Probably not. It might. Game. It might. It might be that, but also uh, FPI still has the Gophers at 14, and FPI hasn't been as high on the Gophers as other systems have been. Still says the Gophers have a 42% chance of winning the division, which is best in the division. To me, the uh, you're still in the driver's seat, and your margin for error is a lot smaller than it was before, uh, both because of whom you lost to. And because if you want to do more than win the division, if you want to find yourself in Pasadena, um, then you now have to worry about, okay, Penn State and Michigan 
are those going to be 10 win teams? Are they going to get precedence if uh, in, in the playoff rankings and the Rose Bowl selection come the end of the year, if you guys have the same record? Um, and if you had won this game, easily the most difficult game on your schedule that's left is Penn State. And it's a little easier. I mean, it was going to be hard to say they're going 11 on one, no matter what. But it was a little easier to say uh, they're going 11 on one when you haven't already picked up one loss. Exactly. So um, everything is going to be crucial from here on out, Amen. which is just going to be a, a real fun time for my heart, I think. <laughs> yeah, that the get the everybody get your uh, get your blood pressure meds. We're 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 off, baby. <laughs> I mean, we 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 were getting bored with beating up on. Western Illinois and Colorado, and I guess we probably wanted a more exciting experience in the stadium. And what better than playing uh, nothing but meaningful football, including your last home game against Iowa? For two months, basically. Yeah, we're we're really, really into the thick of it here, um, which is why we like this sport, I guess. Yep. But obviously the Gophers are off, which means... Um, I'm spending my weekend in different places and next week in different places. So we're not going to be recording an episode next week because why, why would I while I'm doing other stuff and why would you when we're worried about other stuff? So we're going to preview Illinois today, Illinois being the opponent on Saturday the 15th. They have Iowa this coming weekend, which is a game that, could be just atrocious to watch, but I think is worth paying attention to. Yeah. Right now, the Illini are four and one. Most recently, we saw them get Paul Christ fired. <laughs> <laughs> so we always make the joke about the bingo card. That was not on my bingo card. That no, was... <laughs> not at all. I, I Even thought... Even after the game last week, that was not on my bingo card. No, I mean, everything about that was... Um... You know, the temperature was rising in Madison, but I I did not think it would go to 100 that quickly. <laughs> I thought we might hit that point, this point next year. But anyway, Illinois. I mean, there, there's no real secret with Illinois. They've got a good running back. Um, I got to say, I really like what Barry Lunny has done with their offense specifically the way they run the ball, what all the ways they get Chase Brown, the ball, the blocking schemes they have, the amount they they counter off of motion um, and the way you don't really know where the ball's going. Uh, I think they've got a really creative run scheme. And they also don't really have an offensive line that's notable at all. They've had worse, but this one isn't great. And then... At receiver, they got one guy who they get the ball a lot as a slot receiver, Isaiah Williams. He does all the slot things, tap passes. Illinois name. What was that? Great Illinois name. All-time yeah. Illinois name. Absolutely. All-time Illinois name. Um, did, did Juice wear one? I think Juice was seven, Okay. If I correctly. It, it's been a while since I've watched their win over Ohio State from 2007 or 2009 or whatever year it was. But Isaiah Williams, he wears one now. Former quarterback, second-year receiver. Uh, he, he's a he's a yards-after-catch guy. And 
pretty good at it too. I, I he had some good punt return moments as well against Virginia, even if one or two of them got called back by penalties. The other guys on the receiver, I wouldn't say are too notable. Pat Bryant, Brian Hightower, they got the ball. Bryant, a bit more of a deep threat, 17.4 yards per catch so far this year, two touchdowns. Tight ends are all kind of short-range stuff. I mean, everyone is kind of a short-range target uh, in this offense because Tommy DeVito doesn't throw downfield. He is very game managery since he came over from Syracuse. Almost a 70% completion rate, only 10 and a half yards per completion. He's thrown nine touchdowns and two interceptions. He's been sacked 11 times, which is more than you want. It's better than the 44 times he was sacked in 2019. Jeez. But he's a little sack prone if you can keep him in the pocket. They, they just don't, they don't have any source of explosive plays is the thing. Like they, they obviously they've got Chase Brown who is due like, a, he, he'll put forth like a 40 yard run every game to be clear, but they're not rated analytically super well with explosiveness because they don't get anything out of their passing game going deep. And because as good as Brown is, he just doesn't see those, those holes as often as you would like. This isn't even like, uh, like, like this is not going to be a repeat of the 2018 trip to Champaign. Sure. Hope not when Reggie Corbin went up against the dying husk of a Rob Smith defense and stored like four touchdowns or whatever, because like, they just, I mean, a, the Gophers have a better defense, but also uh, Illinois, they just, they don't create pieces often enough, even though they've got some good steam behind them and they're not terrible on the offensive line. Brown will not make you pay every set of downs, uh, but he will probably make you pay at some point because he is very, very good. Um, he's got the acceleration. He's got the vision. He's got good open field speed. Um, I wouldn't say he's a power back, but he can break tackles here and there. He is very, very good. Just expect the short passes, uh, like a lot of the teams that the Dwarfers have played so far. If he can contain their running back, if he can play sound zone defense, force him to sit in the pocket so that the pass rush can get to DeVito. If you make tackles on the passes that come in front of you, and there will be a lot of them then you should more or less hold this offense in check. I mean, the the two points where Illinois has scored the most games, um, or just the three games, one was against Wyoming, a team that has been kind of up and down, not as bad as we expected, but not great. Against Virginia, they scored 24, but that included a muff punt. That included, that was just an incredibly weird game, by the way. There were seven total turnovers. You know, it was just, it was a very weird game. They scored three points in the last 44 minutes. And then against Wisconsin, there were lots of turnovers. They took advantage of a lot of short fields. And also, uh, for once, Wisconsin's cornerbacks got called for pass interference a lot. Um, probably more than they deserved, even. Um, so even though they weren't great on offense, they just kept moving the ball and scoring. So um, I'm not sold on their offense. I am sold on their defense, though. This is a very stingy group, which is maybe the biggest surprise about this team because they lost so, so much entering this year. Well, they lost a lot from a defense that was not elite. No, that that was another thing. Like, you know, for years they had these decent run and hit linebackers who, like, by the time they realize play action is play action, they're behind the line of scrimmage. Um, 
but like the secondary wasn't ever great. The they they occasionally had some pass rushers under Lovey, but last year the defense was was not exceptional, um, and it hasn't been for a long time. And now here it is. SP Plus has them as the ninth best defense in the country, and that includes preseason projections. Um, like they've been really really good, specifically against the run. Um, they are uh, 18th in non-yard in non-sack yards per carry allowed, second in line yards, first in opportunity rate allowed. Their first in success rate allowed against the run, 23.6%. And you can see why with the way they play, where they play a bunch of single high. Um, they don't really leave their base defense of a 3-4. You're going to see seven guys in the box a lot, especially if you run the ball a lot like Wisconsin did. Um, and they've just gotten some really good performances out of their guys up front, which, again, is a major shock. <laughs> You know, they, they've done a, an incredibly good job against the run, as, as evidenced by the fact that they just eviscerated Wisconsin last week. Uh, if you remove sack yards, um, Wisconsin had 31 rushing yards on 19 carries. Yeah. And that's Braylon Allen, folks. That's that's not <laughs> – I know it's I know it's a, a lost, confused team, but the running game has not been the lost, confused part for the most part there. Yeah, as far back as a far back a step as Wisconsin's offensive line has taken the last few years, it's better than that. You know, they Illinois has done a great job. Ryan Walters, by the way, um, second season as defensive coordinator. He's an alumnus of the University of Colorado. Just uh, you know, they've got an open. You may have heard, might be a decent candidate for that. Also, get him out of the Big Ten, please. Yeah. Right. They'll, they'll play two guys in the slot because, like I said, a lot of single high. They play a ton of man coverage, and it's worked out for them. But Sidney Brown, their nickelback, kind of a linebacker type, he's done pretty well so far this year. Uh, four pass breakups, two tackles for loss, forced fumble. And then Jartavius Martin, the safety on the other side, 23 tackles, two of which are for a loss, seven pass breakups and interceptions so far this year. They've done pretty well so far, as is Devin Witherspoon, the uh, longtime starting quarterback for them. I'm not quite as uh, sure about their linebacker position, um, but uh, they've got a really good defensive line right now uh, between Jerzon Newton and Keith Randolph at the two end positions. They've got 11 tackles for loss so far this year. Jerzon Newton has 27 pressures according to PFF, um, which is more than three times the Gophers current leader. He's uh, he's doing a really good job, and he's technically like not even a traditional end. He's more like a he's he, again it's a three man line. Um, he's more of like a five technique tackle, and he's doing that. Um, and Calvin Avery, their nose tackle. He and Jamal Woods have done pretty well at the nose, but Avery, 325 pounds, he's basically a walking slab of concrete. Um, they've got three really, really good guys uh, on that defensive line, and I'm not sold on the uh, the secondary because they haven't really played anyone on that front. If you remove Illinois games from the teams they've played, um, then opponents have average 6.8 yards per passing attempt again we're not yeah it's not good uh currently that would rank somewhere in the high 90s in fbs as far as a passing offense goes so they haven't played good passing attacks and if you're 
if you're in a groove, you should be the best passing team they've faced all year, especially since they're playing Iowa this weekend. So it's possible they're good against the pass. They are ranked very highly in completion rate allowed and, you know, a lot of statistics. They give up a lot of big plays when they do get hurt, though. You're not going to run the ball well against this team. I think you got to test their secondary, go for big plays, uh, be aware of the pass rush, but see what you can get done downfield. You know, see if their guys can really go man-to-man against your guys. Yeah, that's that's probably the the recipe here is is throw the ball some more. Yeah, and hopefully, 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 do you do it well? <laughs> hopefully this time, yeah. Um, so with with all that, um, so far, I mean, the the only spread I could find was one point to Minnesota. FPI has it as sixty three percent chance. Minnesota wins. Massey, 62% chance Minnesota wins with a projected score of 21-17. This is a much better team than anyone had any right to expect them to be this year. Um, What are your thoughts on how this might go? Yeah, 60% sounds right. And that 21-17 is very close to what I had. I'm optimistically saying 24-17, but this game freaks me out. This Illinois team is super weird. Just... You know, and like we were, yeah, coming off of that loss, like I, I'm, I'm having a little bit of like identity crisis. Like, who are who are we actually? You know, what can we? What 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 do we do well? What are we gonna do well in Big Ten play and in real against real Big Ten? I know that Michigan State isn't real, but they're struggling right now. If we tackle well, if we can tackle well and throw the ball better than we, if we tackle like we did during for most of the game against Purdue, rather than like those two weird scoring drives, um, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. And, you know, if we can throw the ball well, you know, and not have those weird fluky turnovers, then, yeah, I think I think we'll be in good shape on that front, too. And I mean, it's a game you probably should win. You know, you certain certainly should, could win, and and maybe you know should win or something like that. I don't know, but um, yeah, this Illinois team freaks me out. If if only because it was it was it was a chalked up W on the you know on the, in the preseason projections, and now it's like again like who what? How are they? How are they? How are they as good as they are? It does doesn't. And again, you can on paper you can say it makes sense. Again, the. You know the running backs. The running backs better than expected. The quarterbacks relatively efficient. The defense has taken a step up when 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 no step up was previously thought to exist. But I don't know. It, it just it just freaks me out. It's it's. It, I mean, nothing is a trap game or whatever at this point. But certainly a game you could easily lose. Yeah, I mean, this team beat you last year and they were worse. Um, this is uh, a. A frightening game that will probably I'm not this coming game against Iowa could be a just an abomination to football I don't think this is going to be quite as bad when the Gophers go to Champaign but there's a chance it could be really really ugly (laughs) because uh you know the way Burt likes to play and uh the uh the the strength of the two defenses here I, I mentioned that Illinois is ninth in SP plus Minnesota is still third this, this to be a really low scoring game. I'm going to go with 17-10 Minnesota. And you could talk me into the Dovers winning by more. You could talk me into Illinois even winning because this is not a certain thing, even if I think Illinois' limitations on offense might end up being just too much. Yeah, yeah, scary, very scary. 
Well, this will be an 11 o'clock kickoff on uh, a, I believe, BTN. Weather forecast isn't really worthwhile at this point. Seems like it's going to be a fairly normal fall day. Somewhat windy, somewhat cloudy, mid-70s. You know how it is. But we uh, that's the only game in week seven we're going to talk about this week because uh, we have uh, an actual week of football directly in front of us that we can talk about. Just to run through the Big Ten schedule like we always do. Six o'clock Friday night on FS1, Nebraska and Rutgers. No. I mean, I, I'll watch this game a couple. I'm not going to watch it live, but I'll watch this game a couple times before the season is over because those are both Minnesota opponents, and you gotta be learned about your uh, your opposition. But I won't recommend it for entertainment. Eleven o'clock on Fox, Michigan, Indiana. Nah. All right. Nah. And then uh, 11 o'clock on BTN, a game that you should be much more interested in than you uh, probably thought you would be a week ago, Purdue at Maryland. Um, Maryland looks looks good. Yeah, I'm kind of amazed at how competent they've been. Um, And the computers buy it, too. Uh, So, you know, you want to root for the Terrapins a lot of points this season uh, when they play – I guess Penn State and Purdue are really the only times it would be too beneficial right now. But, you know, it's especially this week going up against Purdue, the team that now uh, is your chief rival for the division title, it seems. Uh, you, you want the Terps to, to put forth a good performance. And this could be a really good game, in honesty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Two teams that really throw the ball a lot. And now uh, two teams, I guess one that – that doesn't throw the ball a lot, and then another that throws the ball, but only about three yards downfield to the running back. 230 on BTN at scenic Ryan Field, Wisconsin Northwestern. Yeah, that, nah, nah. That's, <laughs> it's not a great week of Big Ten football, for being honest. It's not a great week. Uh, three o'clock on ABC is going to be a bloodletting Ohio State, Michigan State. Yeah. That's that. That is two teams that are trending in very different directions at the moment. And then 6:30, uh, the aforementioned Iowa-Illinois game. But again, uh, should be your homework. But if you watch it on delay or maybe the condensed version, I'm not going to blame you. What games around the country will you be keeping an eye on? Yeah, so I think again, this week is a little bit down. I'm definitely the Purdue-Maryland game definitely is interesting, not only from the the self-interest standpoint as a gopher stand, but also because I think it is uh, two teams that could be pretty entertaining and that are playing pretty well and just match up very well against one another. Um, so I will be watching a lot of that. You'll be at the, you'll be at the Red River rivalry. Uh, that should be okay. Uh, TCU at Kansas, you know, everybody is talking about, you know, I would say TCU is probably going to roll, but, you know, who knows? Why not? Um, you know, I Kansas, think this could be a really fun game. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, this could be a shootout. Kansas has looked great on offense. Um, and bad on defense, crucially. Yes, and TCU has looked very, very good on offense. So um, there's that game. Uh, Tennessee at LSU. I Tennessee has been kind of rolling, and I, I expect that to continue probably until Tuscaloosa. Which I believe is next week. I think it is so, next week. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be that's gonna be great. As far as other games go, 
Auburn, Georgia isn't that interesting. Tech, you know, has been playing all right at Oak State. Oklahoma State, a quiet seven, but seven nonetheless. Probably, a, you know, quietly, somebody was saying on Twitter or something, they're, they're a good, they're, they're a program that tends to win a lot of games. And, you know, they beat Baylor last week, so I don't know. They're probably favored, but nevertheless could be a good game. Uh, the ranked matchup, uh, UCLA, uh, or Utah at UCLA, that's just a good, probably two of the better teams. I know Oregon's been better, or Oregon or whatever, however you say it, Oregon's been better, but those are two, two of the, probably the top three or four teams in a surprisingly deep Pac-12. Uh, beyond that, uh, North Carolina at Miami, um, I think will be potentially very fun. Uh, North Carolina is a pretty fun team. Uh, that only lost one game so far this year. What else we got? We got Wake, not really interesting. They're always, I just, I always like to, I always, I always check for Wake because they're, they're really fun to watch. Um, but there are the Army at Wake probably won't be too, too good. Wazoo at USC? Question mark. I, I would tune in for that one. Um, Wazoo's had a pretty good defense this year, yeah. and uh, they're probably not going to slow down. USC that much, but you know, I, I'm always down for an entertaining, talented Wazoo, and if they're capable enough to give USC some fits, then uh, we should all root for that. Yeah, absolutely. Quarterback's thrown a lot of picks, but he also just throws a lot, so um, you know, we'll take that. Uh, Kansas State at Iowa State, the Adrian Martinez resurrection tour continues. I would expect them to be favored in this game. Iowa State looking eh, kind of mediocre, so uh, that's probably it's probably my last my last one that I'd I'd take. In uh, this week's interesting Pac-12 game that you can't watch because it's on the Pac-12 network, Oregon and Arizona. Yeah, that's that's sneaky. That's sneaky. Arizona, as we talk about every week, sneaky, sneaky, better, sneaky, not not garbage, um, and in fact. I shouldn't say good. There's definitely probably 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 not good, but um, definitely sneaky, sneaky, not garbage. Um, you know, so I, that that's how I'd characterize it, I guess. But that would be a game I I would have on in the late slot if I could. And so it'll be Oregon State, Stanford, one very fun team against one decidedly unfun team. Yes. Um, Mormon. Florida State and C State potentially. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Florida State kind of got beat pretty bad by Wake last week. But uh, they're, they're, they're still a pretty good team, pretty fun team. And NC State is a rel- relatively fun team that probably should be more fun, uh, but hasn't been that fun. But they're still both pretty pretty good teams. That should be a pretty evenly matched game. Do you like the Mormons versus the Catholics at all? <laughs> uh, not terribly, because Notre Dame seems kind of middling. Um, and BYU is all right, uh, but I'm just I I've never taken that strong an interest in either of these programs either way is the yeah. thing. I don't have hot takes about Notre Dame. Um, I don't think the uniforms either team is wearing are going to be good in this game, but that's about the extent of it. I'm not too, too interested in it. Um, I can tell you East Carolina Tulane two thirty yeah. in ESPNU that has potential. Um, Two teams with very good uniforms. 
yes. on the subject. Tickets as low as tickets as low as four dollars in New Orleans. What, what two thirty New Orleans? Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, I'll go to that game. Yeah, if I was in New Orleans, I would absolutely go to that game for four dollars. And then I can tell you, uh, the so every Nevada and Colorado State game this year, you got like if you're if you're into really really bad football, you got to watch. They're playing each other Friday night on FS1, nine o'clock. I'm gonna be going to bed like probably before the end of the first quarter, but it's on. Um, and I think Nevada plays Hawaii next week too. <laughs> if you want to potentially the two worst teams in FBS. And then San Diego State the week after. And then San man, this is not a great schedule. And they play UNLV at the end of the year. Yeah, no, the Mountain West may be just not very strong. <laughs> it's it's not very strong, no. So yeah, it, it, I, I think there's real potential in this week. I'm glad I'm gonna be at my favorite football game of the year that doesn't involve the Gophers because I've been wanting to go for a really long time. And, you know, uh, things tend to go a certain way in this game, which is to say... Insane. Insane, yes. Um, And they're both unranked, but you know what? They're both really talented, and it looks like Twin Ewers is going to play. It looks like Dylan Gabriel might play as well. There will probably be a lot of points, which is all I ever want out of this game. It's just a lot of points, and hopefully the Texas fans are sad at the end. Yep. Amen. But like I said, we'll be off this coming week. Uh, I'll post this on Friday, and then I may reshare it again next week, just because the Illinois preview will be a little more relevant in a week. Um, so we'll see you again. What is that? The week of the 17th, to talk about the Penn State game. Yep. And whatever else lies ahead that weekend. Have a, a, a goodbye week, and we'll talk to you again soon. We'll go first.